you for the opportunity. I want to uh, thank you for letting me be part of your ordination. And I want to thank you for letting me be your friend. I appreciate that very much. Um, I just got a couple things that God put on my heart. Um, so if you want to go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, I'll just give you a little bit of our background together. Uh, I have known Brother Brad and his family for about a year and a half uh, since they took the leap of faith and moved down here to North Carolina. Uh, Brother Brad uh, mentioned this a few weeks ago uh, after we got back from youth camp. Um, But he and his family went with us to youth camp in 2022. Uh, That's when we attended Old Old Pass Youth Camp in Albemarle. And that was the first year my wife and I were over the games there and over the activities. And uh, I can't tell you how, how much Brother Brad and Sister Sherea helped us. They jumped right in. They were, they were our right-hand people the whole time at youth camp. And really, ever since then, we've been knitted together. And so I appreciate them very much. Uh, they have proven themselves as great friends and really true Christians. Uh, they're always willing to help with the youth events at the church, uh, from VBS and fall festivals to group outings and youth uh, revivals. The Divine Family was always there, assisting any way that they could. Uh, they were even my wife and I's personal marriage counselors during those events. <laughs> so, we didn't, so my wife and I didn't strangle each other <laughs> when we were trying to work together. So I do appreciate them very much for that. And uh, Brother Brad and Sister Sheree, I just want to say thank you both from the bottom of my heart uh, for all that you've done for our youth group and for the church, and for the love that you have shown our family. So we love you, and thank you all very much. Uh, So the scripture God put on my heart was uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse number 6 is what we're going to look at. Um, And uh, God wanted me to share this with Brother Brad, and I I believe it will help the other preachers in here as well. Um, And most of you are already there, but uh, I do want to say that I'm more familiar with the Divine's background than most. Uh, They have really faced some hard times in their ministry. They have faced difficulties and went through hurt that most of us have not and won't go through. Uh, But through all of that, God has been faithful, and Brother Brad and his family have been faithful as well. Uh, I've really seen God work in their lives in amazing ways. I've seen them stay steadfast and continue trusting God, and it has really encouraged me, encouraged my family, and encouraged our faith. Uh, So I want to commend them for that. Uh, We're not sure what the future holds for them, and I know that we're going to miss them (laughs) from being here, Uh, but I know that God has a purpose and that he is faithful and he is trustworthy. You can trust him no matter what. And I pray that this scripture will encourage you and help you in, in what God has for you, my friend. So, we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 6. It says this, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. So, God sent me uh, this direction uh, when I was asking him what he wanted me to say. And what do you want me to tell you? And uh, really, through, through your ministry and through your life and through the things that you face um, and the things that you're going to face, uh, he really put an emphasis on this verse here and, and really being a good minister of Jesus Christ. That's, I think that's the, the strive of all preachers. They want to be ministers of what God has called them to do, and they want to fulfill that ministry uh, and be pleasing to God. So in this, in this context here, it says... Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And then it says the words, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. So this word nourished here, it means being trained in. 
Okay? And the word nourish talks about, you know, being, being filled and being full. So being trained in what? And it talks about the words of faith, which is the word of God, which is the scripture. So it's so important for any, any man of God, wherever they're going in their life, to be full of God's word, be nourished in it, but also to have good doctrine, it says. And that's talking about rightly dividing the word of God. Uh, so with, uh, with this verse here, it's talking about to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, you should be nourished, being trained in the word, being full of God's word, and having rightly divided that word of God. And I think, Brother Brad, especially with uh, where you've been in your life and how God's led you, um, he's, he's let you obtain that, which is what we see at the end of that verse, whereunto thou hast attained. And that's, that, word, that word attained there means carefully followed. And so this, the experiences you have, the opportunities that you've been given, God laid those out for a purpose. He did it on purpose for a purpose. And so with, uh, with that being said, I want to look at um, when it says thou shalt be a good minister. It's talking, about, there's an if there. Uh, in verse number six, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister. So if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, what things is it talking about? Uh, and if you look back at verse number one and number two, Paul is telling Timothy to watch out for the apostasy and the hypocrisy in the church. Uh, we, we already went over this. Uh, the men of God, I did want to thank you as well, being part of the presbytery. Uh, the examples that you set, I really respect each one of you men of God, and I appreciate you very much. And uh, the encouragement and the wisdom that you guys gave, I want to say thank you. Um, so this has already been covered in there, uh, but this is, this is what God wants uh, me to say, so I'll say it. Um, so in verse number 1 and 2 of chapter 4, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Verse 2 says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So what uh, Paul is telling Timothy there, he's, he's telling them to watch out for this, watch out for these things and preach against this and stand for the truth. And so that is my charge to you, to, uh, to you, Brother Brad, and you other men of God, Continue to stand against the hypocrisy and against these things, uh, and don't let it creep in unawares, as it's mentioned. So we want to, as, as good ministers, watch out for it and preach against it. Take the word of faith and the good doctrine that you have attained throughout your ministry and preach God's truth. Stand firm on God's word and don't fall into the doctrines of apostasy and hypocrisy. And really, that's, that's where my heart was, and I wanted to tell you, besides that, I love you and I appreciate you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Yes, sir. Thank you. What Brother Brad and Sister Ray and these children proved to us is they're, they're servants. Servants. He told me, he said he'd done told his family now, we members of that church, members of this church. He said when they have power conference and camp victory or Bible school or youth camps, we're coming back down. We're going to support our church. <laughs> How long has it been since you've seen anybody like that? So, hallelujah. Brother Brad, you come and uh, give you testimony and how God called you to preach. And then I'll get into this word. Brother Richie, yes, just give the highlights after him of the uh, questions or just of the presbytery meeting. Go ahead. I just want to uh, look at your faces. Thank each and every one of you for 
being who you are. And, and I've told my cousin several times, it's amazing how God built this church and Pastor Daniel and you all. Uh, I Only heaven will be able to tell from our family to yours how much we are thankful for each one of you. Uh, all the love, the support, uh, the the uh, encouragement that we got as as uh, we came down at first, really just by faith, just knowing Pastor Daniel and, and William, and uh, buddy, I love you. I tell you that all the time, and you look at me like I got three heads, but <laughs> William Goldsmith is a treasure, and I love you. Uh, but so my testimony, I got to get to that. My testimony and call to preach. Uh, I was brought up in a Bible uh, preaching church and in, 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 a, in a Baptist, you know, that old saying, Baptist born, Baptist bred. When I die, I'll be Baptist. I could have used that and, and lived by that. I made a profession when I was seven years old uh, after my mom did some evening devotions just before Easter. And by God's grace, he, he kept me from a lot of things in my young teen years and then later in my teens and early 20s I kind of got out in the world and started running for the world the flesh and the devil I got a good job in the oil field started making a bunch of money and thought I had life by the tail I really did and I got into some situations where uh, I decided I didn't like uh, or didn't want to get married didn't want to have a wife uh, you know some women had turned on me whatever so I was uh, done with girls and I was just going to make a ton of money. I was going to buy 40 acres of property. I was going to hunt it, fish it, and put a sign out front that said, if you cross this line, you get shot. And I didn't want nobody really around me. And then the Lord allowed me to stop for lunch one day at a convenience store. And that's where I met my wife. She was the manager of the store. And so we started chatting. And after about three months, we started getting a little more serious talking or whatever, and, and be, having grown up in church, I knew the Bible verse, be not unequally yoked with an unbeliever, and I thought, for sure, she's an unbeliever, and so I checked out her testimony and asked about her, you know, testimony of salvation or whatever, just because she had really never ever talked about church or whatever is why I say that, and so I asked her about her testimony, and she had a clear testimony of salvation, long story short, we got married. Well, before, just before we got married, the Lord wouldn't leave me alone that I had never taken her to church. And so I took her to this Baptist church, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to take her for four Sunday mornings, and then I'm never going back to church. I'm going to make money in the oil field, and I don't care what happens. On the second Sunday morning in the church, the pastor said, look at this passage. Look real close, because my whole passage collapses into this verse, and it wasn't in her Bible. She had an NIV Bible. And it wasn't in there. So on the way home from there, uh, she said, can we get me one of those King James Bibles? And I went into the Bible store and got that Bible and handed it to her. And long, a little bit later, we had a discussion and, and she realized the problems I was having was spiritual. And she got my cousin David and Janelle praying and her great grandma praying. She got her grandma praying and uh, God used my wife who was saved. I wasn't saved. And she got folks praying for me. So I got this promotion in the oil field. And I called this cousin of mine, David, up. He had just surrendered to preach, was studying. And I called him up to brag that I was now going to be making close to 100000 a year. And I had my own company truck and company laptops and company this, company that. And he still to this day says he never raised his voice. But it was late in the morning when he said, 
you're not going anywhere in life. You're in the brick pits of Egypt. Man, I love you. He just told me the truth, that I was in the brick pits of Egypt making bricks for Pharaoh, and I wasn't going anywhere in life. And I began to cry, and, and God told me right clearly in that moment, this is the last time I'm talking to you. And uh, I felt like I was standing on nothing, and he was standing over top of me, and I remember saying, oh, God, and please don't kill me. And I began to weep and confess and talk to him. And after some time, that burden lifted, and that peace flooded in, and it was all quiet in the room, Brother Bill, and he was still on the phone, full of snot and tears, and he said, what just happened? I said, I don't know. And the uh, Lord saved me that night. About a month later, I was in a motel room in Grayling, Michigan, when he called me to preach, listening to a preaching message about how God will burn your barley fields down. And uh, I remember calling David up again. We grew up together. We're like brothers more than cousins. But I called him up on the way home from there, telling him I was going to turn the world upside down for Jesus. And I saw this combine out, combine in them big Indiana cornfields. And I told him, I'm going to combine the world for Christ. And I was excited. And I still have that, uh, that fire and that excitement, you know. And I thank Pastor Daniel. Man, I love you. He's a treasure. I met him at Burlington in 2016. He never treated me like I was, you know, some off-scouring or whatever. He just... Put his big old arm around me. Come here, Brother Brad. Remember the first time I asked you to pray for me? I said, well, you pray for me. I didn't know what to expect. I was face down in the sawdust, and he was laying on top of me. Great God in heaven. And I've loved him ever since then. And Miss Sandy, I love you for allowing him to be there and allowing him to go out and share his life. So that's my little testimony, and I love you. Some people's easy to love. First Thessalonians chapter number one. We'll get right into this right quick. Uh, when God calls a man to preach, in, in the Bible, a, a, in those days, an evangelist was a church planner. And... Uh, what they would do, they had the gift of evangelism. And when a man's really an evangelist, he'll have that gift, especially back then, because they'd do like Dr. Ray used to do and go into an area and preach. God would save a nucleus of people. Then they'd start a church. Then they'd raise up a pastor, or one would be sent in to pastor that church. So that's what the evangelists did. And it wasn't so much like an itinerant mission uh, or a ministry now, which it was some. Because they go back and visit the church they started. And, and evangelists got a special gift. And uh, so a pastor, God calls pastors. God calls evangelists like a missionary. But then God calls pastor evangelist. Those are the three ones he uses. Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. He is a pastor. And uh, Brother Brad's already thanked this church. And I thank you too that you let me go do what I do. Or I could not have the influence that I have. If this church put, uh, you know, put the yoke on me. And y'all never have done that. My, all my pastors were pastor evangelists. I've never had a pastor that was not a pastor evangelist. 
that, that preached revivals and helped other men. And uh, I know when Preacher Hastings went to Calvary Baptist Church in 1955, they were interviewing him, the deacons were, and one said, uh, Brother uh, Hastings, we hear that you go out and preach some preach revivals. An old man spoke up and never did say much, said, I don't think we'd want a preacher nobody else wants to hear. <laughs> so I ain't never forgot that because it is sort of self-serving. <laughs> so I don't know exactly how God's going to use Brother Brad. I do know that he's got a tremendous understanding of Scripture and the workings of a church. And most importantly, what it means to be saved. I'm talking about from the side of regeneration now. Not just justification. Regeneration. When God the Holy Ghost puts the new nature in a sinner and uh, puts a holy of holies in there where he can live. And that work of progressive sanctification begins uh, making us more like Christ. And he's got a workable understanding of all that. And plus he's very, very, very teachable and very, very encouraging. Uh, He knows how to bless people. I praise God for that. And I praise God for his wife. And let me say something to these children. There's so much pressure on preacher's children. But if you're not saved, you can't live for God. So you, I think your, your children profess but little Lydia. So, uh, and kids, I don't, I don't doubt your salvation. I'm not saying this for that reason because I think you give evidence. So I can't just be a profession of what daddy told me to do. Don't ever ask God to help you. Because if he don't, you will. Don't bring reproach to his name. It is difficult for a man to preach if his wife's not living right and if his children aren't. Because he's so burdened over that. That he can't really carry the burden that he needs to carry. And you dear children, you bless your daddy. and Bless your mama, I promise you. Paul Harvey said this, so it's got to be true. Some of y'all ain't old enough to know who Paul Harvey was. And Paul Harvey said that they did a study on the children of all the professions in America and the richest children in America were the children of preachers and missionaries. What about that? The blessing of God. And uh, so you children, you're going to be in a fishbowl, but, and I understand that, but you be kids and you run, fall down like little Lydia, busted her chin, and my wife had the glorious privilege of taking the stitches out today. And there will be rewards for small things, you know. And uh, what tickled me, they were putting stitches in her and they had her held down. She was screaming, free me, free me. <laughs> she didn't even cry today. And uh, so I'm not trying to put a bunch of pressure on you. You got to try to live perfect because you're not going to do it. And you're going your flesh and you're going to have to learn in life that God's got to be real to you. But. Do your best not to bring public reproach. And it'll be a blessing to him. It'll be a blessing to you. And then God will let you marry the right person. And he'll, he'll look out for you when you ain't got enough sense to look out for yourself. And you got a mom and daddy praying for you. I want you children to understand how good you got it. Now, you're not, you're not in a millionaire's home. There's a lot of trinkets in this world that your mom and daddy give you if they could. But they've given you the greatest thing. My dad was raised in almost poverty, and you, my dad, when I interviewed him in his church, he gave the testimony. He said, my mom and daddy never left me anything, didn't have nothing to leave, but they gave me the greatest thing, and that was the knowledge of God. 
and your mom and daddy are heroes to you and they've given you what most parents in America cannot give you. And I want you to grow up. Your dad's the greatest man in the world. Your mom's the greatest woman in the world. I want you to believe that. I want you to say that. And I don't want you to look at any preacher, but that then, you know, my daughter Bethany one time, they was arguing about preacher, said there ain't no preacher in this world that preached my daddy. <laughs> I thank God for blindness in youth, you know. But, and Brother Heath, I'm sure your children are going to grow up, you're going to be the biggest thing in the world. That's where it ought to be. You'd see Brother Dale Painter back there give so much of his life to Pennsylvania and a young man. Okay, First Thessalonians chapter number one. And uh, we'll read these verses here. Verse number, uh, I'll go ahead and read verse number one. Paul and uh, Silvanus and Timotheus under the church at, uh, of Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all. See, he's from the south. You all. Make admission of you and and our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love, patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, the sight of God our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not in you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And in much assurance. Oh, Lord, how precious. As you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Boy, I hope you can say, God saved me. His word came in power. And in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. Sometimes like Brother Brad told us in the presbytery meeting, he said at first he didn't know really what all happened to him that night, but he found out. He didn't say exactly those words. But if you're saved by grace, it will come. You may not know what God did for you that day. You may have made false professions. You don't even trust yourself. But if God saved you, you're going to find out quick. They something got a hold of you, changed you. And uh, you there, be you therefore followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So there you've got the Trinity spoken of there. One God, reason God's one God is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three persons, but they, uh, they've got the same nature. If you've met the Father, you've met the Son. Though they're different, if you met the Son, He's just like the Father. If you met the Holy Spirit, He's just like the Son. And there's one essential nature in the Godhead. And we believe that, we preach that, and we rejoice in that. I want to talk to you about life-giving, preaching, and prayer. Brother Brad, pray for us, we. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Oh, Lord. Amen. First Thessalonians 1 5 is about life, life giving. Thank God the Word of God gives life. And a man called to preach has got life in him, he's got life to give. Not, not within his own power, but what dwells within him. And when he speaks that word and the Holy Spirit touches that word, he puts life to the word. Our word came not in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. God's got two ways to build a church. God's got two ways, two instruments that he reaches people. And that's prayer and that's preaching. And he uses people. Thank God the only men called of God can preach. They're bang pray. That means you're a partaker in the ministry of everybody you pray for. 
And I said the other day, wherever they go, you go. Your prayers go. And uh, your burden goes. What a blessing for God to put a preacher in your heart. What a blessing for God to make a preacher your ministry. Man, you get up every day, he's on your mind. Throughout the day, he's on your mind. When you go to bed, he's on your mind. On any challenge, Brother Brad, never go to bed with sin in your life. Never, ever go to sleep with sin in your life. Always let something about God be the last thing you think about before you lay down and go to sleep. But preaching in prayer is the main thing God uses. When God's at work, he saves he calls and he commissions men to preach his word. I mean, he takes people that's got flaws and we've all got a chink in our armor and people that's got problems in their life and God takes a crooked stick and draws a straight line. Who can do that but God? What a blessing that it is. He didn't say be perfect. He said be in love with me. Boy, that'll change your life if you're in love with the Lord, Amen. Men called of God's got the fire in their bones. Hey, they can't retire. They may quit pastoring the church, they can't quit preaching. Hey, ain't no man ever been called preaching can quit. He might have to cause his help, but he's preaching on the bed. Man, he gotta get it out because God put that fire in him. Thank God for fire God puts in a man. And you recognize, usually used to be in the old days, what they would say is that we've examined this man and we're convinced that the gift to preach the call of God is on this man. That's what we voted tonight. We are convinced that God saved him and God called him and God's going to send him. And we're glad to be in the process. Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him whom they not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? Preacher's important. The Holy Ghost loves preaching. You may not, he does. Holy Ghost loves it. I mean, he'll aggravate a man. He'll call a man. That man will run and God will run him down. Then God will put that word in him. And God will start working on him. And God's so patient. He'll teach him how to deliver a sermon. How to study for a sermon. How to put one together. And in that patience of God, God's developing a man that he can trust to go and declare what thus saith God. Verse 15. How shall they preach except they be sent? Hey, this ain't no occupation, friend. This ain't no voluntary army. I got drafted, amen, against my will. I didn't want nothing to do with it. And God called me and let me know I was gonna do it one way or another. So, as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Without preaching, we'd all perish. Why? It's God's way. Now, I know people get saved driving down the road, but I guarantee you've ever been saved. You heard preaching somewhere. Hey, somebody told you hey, the word of somebody's mouth off somebody's lips. They gave you the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's four key words in the New Testament that's associated with preaching. I really like the first one. Preaching means to herald the word of a king. To declare what a king said. In those days you had your town criers. That's what they called them because they cried as loud. They're going to a town with a message from the king. 
And then they'd get in the middle of town. Everybody gathered around them as they thundered out what the news was. And off of that practice of the town crier, here's the idea of preaching. A man stands up and he speaks up and he tells what the Lord would have people to hear. And the authority of the king is behind him. Brother Brad, you're not going in the authority of a Baptist church. You're going in the authority of the Holy Ghost. The second word has to do with good news. Aren't you glad we got glad tidings of good things? Before you come to the middle of town and they say, is it good news or bad? Say, well, it's a little bad at first, but it can get real good. Amen. Praise God. The bad news is you're lost headed to hell and there ain't a thing you can do about it. Not a thing you can do about it. Till God speaks to you. And God deals with you. And God enlightens you. And God draws you. And God persuades you. Then you can do something about it. Because God's done something about it. 2,000 years ago, God did something about your problem. And on an old rugged cross, they hung him high and they spread him wide. Thank God he bled and died for you and me. Boy, that's good news to a sinner under conviction. It may not mean much, you full of pride. Boy, I'm good. I'm good like I am. Ah, my good works help, but that way my bad works. So you ain't under conviction yet. Oh, the man gets under hellfire conviction. He thinks he's going to die. Boy, the greatest news he ever heard is that he don't have to. And that Christ died for the sin of the world. Jesus died for all men, but especially them that believe. Glad tidings are good things. Number three, preaching's got to do with sharing the facts of the gospel. Christ came into the world, and he is virgin born. And the Father sent him. How in the world did the glorious Son of God get inside a virgin's womb as a, as a, a little old baby being formed and he stayed God and he became man. The Son of God became the Son of man that sons of men might become sons of God. Amen, Adrian Rogers. I'll give you the credit for that. Hey, he come a long way. There's a man stood in this pulpit probably 25 years ago. And he preached this sermon. I've never forgot his outline. He said it came in his own. And his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He said, first of all, there's a great trip. He come a long way. Number two, there was a great tragedy. They received him not. Number three, there was a great transaction. But as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. It's never been said any better than that. He come a long way and reached way down to get you and me what good news that is. Praise God. Brother Brad's going back to P.A. But it works down here, and it works in Africa, and it works in China, and it works in Russia. Thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. He, uh, he paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. 
The fourth word for preacher has to do with teaching and explaining what the Bible says and making the application. All great preaching has an element of teaching because you're teaching what God says. Now, if all you want to do is get up and quote scripture, God didn't call a man to get up and quote 5,000 verses. He called him to explain verses. Preaching's explaining what God said, not just quoting scripture. It is explaining what God said and making the application. So the preacher is a elder, publicly declaring the word of God and the message is good news and it's rooted in truth and it's facts and events, a message of God about a man named Jesus Christ that paid the sin debt, all the sin of the world's put on him and God the Father judged him in our place. It's called substitution, amen. Not all preaching is Bible preaching. Not all preaching is life-giving. Not all preaching will get the job done. Boy, man can learn to deliver a sermon. A lost man can do that. A lost man can learn to get up and even preach the truth. A lost man can learn to get up and uh, run all over the church and jump up and down and holler and carry on. Ain't nothing wrong with that. God's in it. I'm not against that. Lost man can do every bit of that, but a lost man ain't got any life-giving power. Thank God God's man's got life-giving power. Amen. Brother you go preach that word. Whether they listen or not, for them that'll listen, it's got life giving power. A little simple gospel sermon, Brother Jay, will do more than all the surgeons in the world can do and all the medicine can do because it can put a new nature in you and put God in you. He can take you off the road to a burning, blistering hell and put you on the road to heaven. That's what preaching's got the ability to do. The dead preacher can't produce life. Oh, Brother Bill over here, God put him heavy on my heart because I knew what he was going to say. Let God be in everything. Let God be over everything. Let God be above everything. Why is he saying that? Because he knows a preacher when he sees one. He knows one how he carries himself. He knows one when he hears him preach. If there's any life there. Thank God I heard men of God had some life. And out of that life, Brother Abdullah, there's fruit that remains in a man's life. What makes preaching preaching? I heard of a preacher one time and he was in England. And man, he didn't do nothing but fight deacons. Man, the old people's fighting him, you too loud and you too long. Man, they fought him and his dear little old wife and they conspired against him. And they got him run off. And they didn't even give him a severance package. And he almost lost everything he had. He was, true story, he was forced to go to secular work. And uh, so he was working to provide for his family. He was so discouraged and his poor wife was shell-shocked. See, a preacher has got that call on him. That little old dear wife gets shell-shocked. But I tell you, there's some churches gonna give them a count what they've done to preachers' wives and their children. What did he do? Well, he received, he's out there working in the secular world and he got an invitation to go preach to India. So what do you preach? Listen, dear people, this is wisdom and this is how God operates many times. He goes to India, Brother Heath, in, in England, 
He hardly ever in a year's time ever even seen a profession. There wasn't nobody moving. He had all, all that devil going on. And he goes to India and he preaches the same sermons. The same sermons. And they started coming, Brother Terry, by the hundreds and were converted. In fact, his preaching got so powerful that people would walk by and they'd be so drawn like a magnet. But thank God that they'd be drawn to that preacher man and he'd preach that live given gospel with the power of the Holy Ghost on it and multitudes were converted when that man went to the, uh, went to a place where people had a hunger for God and the Holy Ghost was a work on and God gave power on that word and it got the job done. Oh yeah. That could be said of a lot of men. Boy, they preach some little old church ain't nothing ever happens and they'll go preach a revival somewhere and heaven comes down. Preaching the same sermons. But God got in it. When George, uh, when Jonathan Edwards uh, preached in, in his church there at Northampton, he preached sinners in the hands of an angry God. There wasn't a thing happened. Nobody got saved. Nobody moved. But he went to Enfield, Connecticut, where they, uh, he said the roughest ground and the most skepticism. They had no respect for the preacher. They'd be laughing and cutting up when a man, before the service even started. And God fell in that place. And God sparked the great awakening through that sermon in Enfield, Connecticut. Don't get discouraged. God knows where to put the power on that sermon. And you be faithful. God lets you find that crowd he called you to reach. Every man God's ever called. God's got people out there for him to reach every man's ministry's got a season it's got a season to pay your dues you've got a season to sow seed you've got a season to be faithful some men are on the the, the combine and they're taking up the harvest and some men's doing the plowing and some men's doing the sowing here's what Paul said one sows and one waters but God gives the increase so it's not him that planteth or he that soweth but God that gave the increase he said the man that sowed and the man that plowed and the man that got to see the harvest are one and they'll receive the same reward when you see somebody get saved probably they've been a lot of laboring went into that day and God lets you be on that harvesting crew and that reaping crew and thank God for that I thank God for men God gives them that thank God for pastors that plow and sow and water so the harvest can come so brother Brad I don't know which one you're going to be you might be a stump buster. You might be a sower. You might be a planter. You might water. And God will let you see some harvest. But just remember, it's God that gives increase. And God, when you preach and nobody gets saved, you're going to be rewarded the same if 25 got saved. Everybody don't believe that. I do. Because I ain't never saved anybody. All my converts are still going to hell. Like that old drunk come up to D.L. Moody in Chicago and said drunk, staggered and said, Mr. Moody, uh, you don't remember me, but I remember you. You saved me 10 years ago. He said, I must have. It's obvious the Lord didn't. Get the right perspective. We ain't saved anybody. If they don't get saved, it ain't my fault if I've obeyed God. 
Amen. There's a season when you don't see results. There's a season when you do. And little old church is there laboring for you. They say, Lord, encourage my little old preacher. He's been faithful to the word. God, encourage my preacher. Oh, God, let something happen. Oh, thank God. Uh, there'll be a season, Brother Brad, you done live that when you're overlooked and looked down upon. Because you can't, you ain't got nothing to give them big boys, so they ain't a fooling with you. I'm glad, thank God, there's these celebrity show horse preachers. There's a Holy Ghost that calls cornbread boys and boys out plowing in a field. And God puts a call on them and God puts a power on them. There's a season you'll be overlooked and you'll be looked down upon and you'll not be respected. But one day your days are coming. All of a sudden, people's going to say, you know that Brad Devine, man, we didn't know he's kind of man of God he is. He been the same way the whole time. They state never looked at him. Hey, God never looked. Hey, God never showed showed him to him. And there's a lot of times the Holy Ghost don't show preachers because they ain't ready to go. And God's developing them. And if they got hooked up with some of these guys, they'd be destroyed anyhow because they'd try to control them. When Paul comes to Thessalonica, he's there for just a short time. Yet he saw amazing results. Paul didn't always see that. But he saw it Thessalonica. You don't talk about the providence of God. Right. What about Paul? When they're taking him to Rome. Where he's going to be executed. And there was a great storm. Paul warned them not to go. In Acts 27. And they went anyhow. And that storm come up. And for 14 days they didn't see the stars. They didn't see the moon. And they didn't see the sun. And even <coughs> history records. You Clyden. He records that hurricane. One of the worst in the history of man. And Paul's right in the middle of that thing. And that ship going left and right. But God pointed that thing. It's out of the control of the captain. But God pointed that thing toward the little island of Melita. Malta. The most bombed island in World War II. It was a place where England's nuclear, or their, not nuclear, where their submarines were. And in Malta, Melita had it gone down. They'd lost the war. They bombed them Germans, bombed that thing to a pulp. And those people never backed down. They'd get underground and come right back up. I'm talking about God sitting there. And the name of Melita means honey. In the midst of all that shipwreck, God gave him a little honey in the journey right before he went to Rome to be put to death a few years later. Thank God he got some honey on that island and God blessed him and encouraged him and let him know his life wasn't in vain. Well, they got all them criminals on that ship and those criminals escaped. I mean, the, the, the men on board, old Julius, and the, those men on board, the soldiers, we're ready to kill all of those, uh, those murders that were going to be executed at Rome and be tried. Paul said, put your sword up. There's no life going to be lost. He said, I believe God. God's appeared to me and God's going to do a miracle. And every one of them boys, I'm talking about murders and rapists probably and everything else, went on that little old island. Not one thing got stole. God has so worked on those guys' lives. And they saw Paul as he went and got the wood and put on the fire. And that old snake did him or tried to. And poison wouldn't go in Paul's veins. And God sent a mighty move of God. Hundreds and hundreds of those little brown-faced people were saved. Hallelujah. 
on that island. Thank God, God knows how to do it and when to do it. Praise God. And when the devil tries to take you out, God might direct you somewhere where some people want the gospel and give you some honey for the journey. I didn't even mean on saying all that, but it felt pretty good. John 3, Brother Brad, Brother David, the wind bloweth where it listeth. John 3, Acts 11, 18, God moves geographically. In Acts 11, 18, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. He hadn't granted it before, but he chose to grant it. In Acts 11, 14, 27, when they were coming together, the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, how he opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. You can't open a door in Pennsylvania. I can't open a door in North Carolina, but God can open the door. And God can bring you souls that's been prepared. And God can build the church and God can do his thing. When he opens up that door and gives people faith and gives them that drawing power, to come to God. First Corinthians 16, 9, a great and effectual uh, door is open unto me. There's many adversaries. Second Corinthians 2, 12, furthermore, I came to Troas to preach the, go- the gospel. A door was open unto me of the Lord. Now, brother, he's sitting here. You know, he's like one of ours. We watched him. We watched God bless him. We watched God grow him. And we watched God sanctify him and we watched God use him. Why? Because the Holy Ghost opened up a door for him. What happened to Mount Victory a couple years ago? There's a door opened unto him. He could have preached up early, he fell over dead. Nothing happened if God hadn't opened the door. And people's are praying, people's believing God. Brother Brad, go up there if you pastor a church and try to get some people in that church to pray. When people get to praying, God gets to moving. Colossians 4, 3. With all praying also for us that God would open a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. Let me read that again. That's the secret of Percy Ray and all these great men of God. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. You can get up and preach. If God don't give you unction, you can't preach. If God don't give you people to hear, it wouldn't do no good if you did. But thank God God can give the voice and God can give the ear and God can give the heart. That's what we pray for. My God in heaven, open up that door that all hell can't shut. I want God to open my doors so wide he tires the hinges off the door. Church is planted. Here's where we get the first, I'm preaching one of them topical sermons tonight. Here's where we get first Thessalonians 1 5. Our gospel came not in you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Life given preaching. A word, the same word he preached everywhere, came in power and the Holy Ghost and much assurance. Verse 6, and you became followers of us. He goes in there and they're followers of the flesh and paganism. Thank God when God saves people, they want to follow the preacher around. When Dr. A, I wouldn't, I sure wouldn't advise you ever doing this. This is back when you do this crazy stuff and get by with it. So Dr. A's trying to win this man to God. 
Every time he seen Brother Ray coming, he'd run. He'd run out the back door. If he saw him in town, he'd run. He'd take off running down the street. He got such a burden for that man. He's a drunk, wasn't good to his wife. He walked over. He went over there one night, right like twelve o'clock at night or later than that. He knocks on the door. She comes to the door. He says, "Now be quiet. Be real quiet. Tell the children lay back down. Be real quiet." Old Doctor Ray went in that house. She said, "Where is he?" Where is he? She said he's in there on the bed. He went in there and jumped on top of him and held him down while he preached to him for over an hour. And the old boy got converted by the grace of God. And oh, he got up that next morning. They slept a little bit. Got up. His wife made breakfast. Dr. Ray's going out the door. He looked behind him. There was that old boy in a suit didn't fit. The, the, the legs wasn't long enough. And the other sleeves wasn't long enough. And he said, where are you going? He said, praise God. God saved me last night. I'm going where you go. Dr. Ray said for six months, I couldn't, I couldn't run him down. And now God saved him. I can't get rid of him. Amen. That's what God does. You let somebody get saved by God's grace. They'll love God's men. They'll love God's people. They'll love preaching and the things of God. You became followers of us. And the Lord having received the word, much affliction with joy in the Holy Ghost. I mean, the same people thought you was crazy, lost your mind. Now they want to kiss your feet. Right. Out of gratitude to God. It may take time, but God will let you find your crown. Get past those that are against you. They rarely change anyhow. Focus on those that love God's word. Man, I gotta hurry. In chapter two, verse 13, for this cause also we thank God without ceasing because you received the word of God which you heard of us, yet received it not as a word of men, but as a word of truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. He said it didn't preach the words of men, but thank God I preach the word of God. The word of God's got life. The word of God comes in power and in conviction. Much assurance. But not only in word, but in power and the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance. The power's not in the preacher. The power's not in the method. It's not in charisma. It's in that word. And it's in the Holy Ghost that gets on that word. Old Brother Ray wanted to be like Billy Sunday. He liked to drove himself crazy reading books. And uh, he had all these books on how to be filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized with power and all that stuff. He's up in Illinois going by the cornfields and they're about to die because he's got to have that power. And he stops his car and gets out in the, among those corn stalks. Have begging God. God said, go back to your car and get all your books. He went back to his car, got his books, and got his Bible. He got out there and he said, I want you to throw them books as far as you can. Pick up that Bible. My power is in that word. And you preach that word. Amen. Thank God for the word of God. It's got power to conquer the strongest skeptics. God let some people get so hard as they want to get and cuss God and everything else and then save them by grace. They're slobbering around, crawling around. Oh, God. Paul's preaching. But they didn't hear him. They heard the voice of the shepherd. When God gets on the scene, you hear the voice of the shepherd. You hear the voice of Christ through the word. Not literally, but in your heart. 
Notice this. How the sun shines self-evidently. What did Thomas Jefferson say? He said these, uh, that God gives us liberty and freedom is self-evident. It is self-evident that the sun shines. You don't have to see it shine. Yeah, when the clouds are in the sky, you can't see it shine, but it's self-evident that it shines. Everybody won't believe it, but it's self-evident some do. It's self-evident, thank God some do, and those that do get changed. Standing in the light of the world, you can see it. Because you listen, it'll like Charles Worley said, man gets saved by God's grace, it'll break out on him like a bad dose of the measles. Amen. At Corinth, I got to finish, I got to give you this. At Corinth, Paul went to Sin City. It was one of the most intimidating places on the face of the earth. It was a place where he could never get a hearing. God's word deserves a hearing, but everybody ain't going to hear it. Boy, he wasn't doing any good. He was scared to death. They were going to persecute him and beat him. He done beat, been beat three times with rods. He'd been stoned and died and God resurrected him at Lystra. He's been in the deep. He's been persecuted. Second Corinthians 11 tells all that. And Paul thought he's going to go through it again. He's already hunched back. He's got so many scars on him. He's an old man now and he can't take the thoughts of being whipped again. And he's about to leave. Well, in Corinth were those Jews that were looking for signs. And the Greeks were looking for transcendental knowledge. Tell the Greeks the gospel is foolishness and madness. Who ever heard of a God worshiping a God nailed to a cross by his enemies? What kind of God's that? Well, it's some more kind of God if you've done it voluntarily to save, the, to save people from their sins. Yet when Paul preached, things happened. Why? Because God sent him. In 1 Corinthians 1, the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called. It ain't foolishness to them. It's not empty words to them. But unto those which are called. Much called by the Holy Ghost, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom and in demonstration of the spirit and the power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul's discouraged. You'll find this in Acts 18. What happened? Listen to this. In Acts 18, 9, God said, Paul, be not afraid, but speak and hold thy peace. He said, you preach and then sit down. And in the verse 11 of Acts 18, and he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. That unaccepted message found a lodging place. What did God tell him? He said, don't you leave here. I've got many people in this city. They wasn't saved yet. God knew where they were. God knows who's going to believe. Paul, don't you go nowhere. I got a bunch of people in here. That's my people. God's got some people in PA. Amen. Praise God. It's got healing power and the oil of gladness. The Holy Ghost is called the breath of life. He makes dry bones live. The Spirit of God's called the oil. He makes stuff run smooth. He's called the river, the water of life. 
The Holy Ghost flows through the message and the messenger. Thank God when God comes and a preacher's preaching, bam, he feels that surge. Lord God. I pray y'all, you men of God, preach, you feel that surge, man. Man, that power, bam, God flowing through you. Hey, man, the river gets deeper and deeper because the desert gets drier and drier till the water shows up. How the word of God renews us. After the long, cold winter of death, the spirit of God brings a spring. Cold winter of sin, the Holy Ghost brings the spring. And it starts raining. April showers bring Mayflowers. What do Mayflowers bring? They bring pilgrims. <laughs> I learned that when I was a kid in school. The Spirit of God's as gentle as a dove, and He brings peace. He gently opens up the heart like He opened up the heart of Lydia. For some, He just gently opens their heart up, but the Philippian jailer needed an earthquake. They some God says come and they some God shakes that devil out of them. Thank God he knows how to get a man. He knows how to persuade a man. He knows the amount of power and pressure to put on somebody. Getting this good stuff. I'm talking about what God does. So he he starts the church of Corinth. And old Paul, they some old false teachers come in there and turn the people against him. He's gone and they're working up conspiracies trying to get rid of Paul. But the Lord vindicated him. Like he'll vindicate you. If this crowd don't want you, God knows who does. Christ said, if you've been able to how to give, give gifts unto your children, how much more shall the Holy Spirit give, or God give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him, the preacher, life-giving preaching, life-giving prayer. I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna be real quick. Because I, I stayed on that preaching too long. E.M. Bounds writes power through prayer. Chapter one. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better organizations or more methods, but men who, who the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come down on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint machinery, but he anoints men of prayer. The man, the whole man, Brother Bill, the man, the whole man lies behind the message. Preaching is not the performance of an hour. It is the outflow of a life. It takes 20 years to make a sermon, but 20 years to make the man. Amen. Amen. You might put a message together in two minutes. You won't really preach it until you preach it a while. But when you start preaching, you got so much to say. You preach while you got something to say. Because it's coming through the overflow. Thank God if it takes 20 years to get satisfied with the message, it took that long for God to make you so you can deliver it. Amen. The true sermon's a thing of life. It grows. The man, the sermon uh, is forceful because the man is forceful. The word's got power on it because God's got power in that man. Thank God when God puts a power on the man. God, God's spirit anoints men to pray. Now everybody ain't like me. Brother Brad don't preach like me and Eve. He, he wouldn't do no good if he tried that. Ain't his personality. They wouldn't accept it up north if he did. God's tailor made him for people that will accept him. 
God, they steal some, they steal some ridge runners down here. Ain't got enough sense to think a man ought to preach like he's about to die. <laughs> How well does a preacher know God? Psalm 28, 5, 14, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. He will show them his covenant. God tells his men his secrets. He unveils the secrets to his men in prayer. Where to walk in unbroken fellowship, a day in his courts is better than a thousand. That means a thousand lifetimes. It's better spend one day with God than live a thousand lifetimes without him. We pour ourselves into prayer and God pours his life into us. When you first start out, you're beating the ground, screaming and hollering like God's death. Sometimes you still pray like that, but not normally. You do in prayer meetings. You get with God, a lot of times you don't even open your mouth and raise your voice. Because you're in God's friends now. You're just walking with him. Amen. Boy, that burden comes on you. That's when that pushes out of you and you're hollering back at God and I still do it. But I don't do it like I used to. You say, well, you ain't praying. Uh, listen to me. You can't pray except according to the burden God gives you. Now I know I love fervent praying. And it brings great effect. But you can't do that all the time. You can't do that standing in a store. You got to learn to walk with God in unbroken fellowship. You don't have to be on your knees screaming at the top of your lungs to pray. You can pray and never open your mouth. Just in communion with God. A sermon is not a formula. It is a dialogue with God. And that man learns to study and worship God when he studies. He worships God when he preaches. When God gives a man liberty, I'll tell you why I get so excited. Thank God, worshiping God up here. I'm a praising God. I'm feeling. When nothing is happening, pray. Ask God for insight. We don't know what to do. Worship a while. If that don't work, take a walk. Exercise. Go take a nap. That's right. Sometimes the most godly thing you can do is go sleep. What I am with the Lord is what I am and no more. For God want, for God to do through me, I'm finishing. For God to do through us, Brother Brad, what he wants to, to do much for God, you got to be much with God. That ain't on your knees for five hours a day. That's just out of mowing grass and walking with him. That means, praise God, cutting down a tree and walking with him and talking to him in your spirit. Charles Spurgeon said, I rarely pray more than 12 minutes and rarely go 12 minutes without prayer. That's exactly what he's talking about. Seasons of prayer from all distractions. There'll be times, Brother Brad, you want to head to Myrtle. There'll be times you want to go somewhere and stay a few days. Seasons of prayer where you're not interrupted whatsoever. And that's the secret to a man's power. He's got to find a place to empty himself and God fill him back up. When all your heart's laid before him. I told this, I think, already. Did I tell that already in this sermon about J. Wilbur Chapman? Well, I did over there, I think. J. Wilbur Chapman. Going past with the 10th Presbyterian Church, Philadelphia, in the early 1900s. He's so overwhelmed, or the late 1800s, it was, it was in the 1800s. And he's so overwhelmed, he knows he's not equipped for that. And he goes to hear the great Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And he goes over there, senses the power, and sees all that going on. Goes up to Brother Spurgeon, into the servant, says, Brother Spurgeon, it's obvious God's here. What's your secret? He said, my secret's one thing. My people pray for me. That's it. They pray for me. You had me in the boiler room. Lord God, I got to shut this corn down the cob. We're going to be here all night. 
Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you've taken with wicked hands, crucified and slain, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it's not possible he should be holding of it. That's in Acts 4, when the authorities of the church tried to stop the church, they got <coughs> to quoting <coughs> the Lord. Psalm 2. And they did it all at the same time, all praying out loud, screaming, hollering at God at the same time. <coughs> well, somebody prays. Well, everybody needs to be quiet. Well, he ain't praying to you, he's praying to God. When it's time to pray, everybody pray. Acts 4.31, they prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. Amen. And they prayed God's word. Let me close this thing or we'll be here all night. You want know to secret of this thing is? It's dying so other people can live. Hear the song our brother sung? Lord, pierced him and John over our, what was it, John 21, where he restored him. And uh, Jesus, they've been fishing all night and hadn't caught a thing. Lord said, throw your net on the other side. When they did, they got uh, 153 fishes. Man, them are big. We ain't talking about little old brim now, goldfish. We talking about some big old fish. And old Peter was such a man. I mean a man. He pulled that thing to the shore. And he ran up to the Lord. The Lord's got him a bill prepared. He's not going to deal with Peter because he's hungry. He got to take care of them. Ain't the Lord merciful? He said, Peter, do you love me more than these? He said, do you love me more than this fishing business? You going back to it. Do you love me more than all these other disciples? You bragged you did. Peter wouldn't even hardly answer the Lord. The Lord said, I don't know do you love me. Peter hung his head. He knew. He denied the Lord by fire. Now the Lord's wanting him to confess it a fire. Because he needed to be totally restored. Now, he's already seen the resurrected Lord. But he needs to deal with all this lack of confidence. And the Lord's going to give him confidence and a commission. Because he is the chief of all the apostles. Peter, you love me? Yes, Lord. If you love me. Peter, guess how you show me you love me? Feed my lambs. He asked him three times. Then said, Peter, you love me? If you do, feed my sheep. Because Peter, you'll not feed my lambs and feed my sheep if you don't love me. You'll get burnt out on them. But if you love me, you will work and labor and study and pray and give yourself to feed the lambs and feed the sheep. Corn of wheat fall on the ground and die at a bite of the lawn. But when that shell that's got all that life imprisoned when it hits that ground, it hits that warmth, and hits that moisture, it softens that old hard shell. And it opens up, and all that life escapes. When that life escapes, it gets down in that ground, and it starts going down and going up. And out of that little old seed comes all that bread and all that food. But if it hadn't died, that life would have never got out of it. And God put a treasure in your trash. They life inside of you, but if you die to you and get full of the Holy Ghost, get broken in God, all that life can't come out of you. Brother Brad, you've been given the highest honor ever been given to a man. That is to be called of God. Anointed by God, sent by God. Praise God. 
We see right now they ain't nothing to be in president. Anybody can do that. You can do that if you're in a nursing home and ain't got no mind. But if you're president of the United States, if they're going to make you president, you'd have to step down to be president if you quit preaching. Preaching, stepping as high up as you can go. And for those that want to step as high as they can go without preaching, it's praying for those and backing those that do it. Let's bow our heads. Brother Brad, I want you to come and bow over here to my right. I want these men of God to come. I'm going to get one to pray, and we're all going to pray for you. And then one, then men, don't come by, and let's just take five minutes to every one of us pray for them. We're all going to pray at one time, then come by.